Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The esports podcast. I'm here with uh, Ben. He's with Gamer Saloon, which, if you guys have played it, it's an awesome app. Um, ben, thank you so much for hopping on today with me. Um, why don't you give the listeners a uh, a little bit about yourselves, Tom, kind of who you are, um, just a little in short intro for them. Yeah, sure. Um, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, my name is Ben Pfefferman, a.k.a. Boca Ben. Uh, and yeah, uh, I've been working in the esports and gaming industry for about five, five, six years. Um, I used to be, I used to live in Toronto where I uh, operated a whole bunch of land centers which are, you know, gaming venues. So operated a whole bunch of those. I had a professional esports team, um, did all sorts of cool stuff. And then when I moved here, uh, switched gears really and joined the Gamer Saloon team, um, which has an amazing app. Everyone should download it, Apple Store, Google Play, uh, where you can play anyone, um, your favorite game for, for real cash. So... Lamar, if you and I wanted to play Madden for five bucks and you you wanted to kick my ass, we can go on the site, play our match, and then it pays out the winner. So um, it's a cool site for people who want to make some cash playing video games. And then we also run a lot of free tournaments and things like that as well. It's awesome. Great. Yeah. Thank you so much for hopping on. I know we've been trying to get in touch and get you on the show for a little bit. So again, thank you. Um, so I guess we can start off almost... Um, from the beginning, you know, obviously we're all gamers here, um, but kind of how did you get into the esports industry or gaming industry from, from the beginning? Yeah. Um, well, we have a lot of time, so I can, you know, tell the, <laughs> you know, the, the stories and get into the details. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so there's two, two things were at play. One was I was sharing an office and I was good friends with a group of guys who started a company called Enthusiast Gaming, um, which had a pretty unbelievable rise um it's still a big and great company um but i got to kind of see sort of you know the you know you start up from your garage um creating something massive um from the very beginning it was very inspiring to be around them and and see friends you know um, have so much success in in a pretty originally a very niche part of gaming which eventually expanded into a lot of other things um Mm -hmm. so that was one and then at the same time i am uh you know, I'm doing some investment banking deals and a lot of esports companies were coming to me to look for cash. And mm. the the real kind of that aha moment was we had this really cool, this company that was a really cool idea. It was mm-hmm. basically facial recognition technology to sort of prevent rage, rage quitting and tilting and all sorts of other negative things that happen in competitive gaming. But the CEO sucked. Like he was he was like gross and disheveled and people thought he was always on drugs. And I kept hearing like, Ben, you know, if you were CEO, um, you know, this would be a company that we'd invest in, but like, I don't, I'm not interested in this guy. Mm -hmm. And like after a a few of those, it kind of gave me that, that sort of reflection point where, Hey, you know what, maybe I should start an esports company. Um, And that's where I jumped in. I raised about a million bucks, started a a MOOCA esports and we built out an ecosystem of gaming venues, teams, content, and and other stuff. So you you raised a million bucks, and you put that towards what your land center, or what, what did that go to exactly? Yeah, yeah. So we we had eventually three land centers. So we had sort of our uh, flagship location in Toronto, a fourteen thousand square foot gaming facility, forty PCs, top of the line production, hundred eighty inch projector screen, like. As badass as it gets. And when was this? Uh, we started in 2019, uh, like end of 2018. Yeah. Mm, okay. So you have these these centers, you and it's like it was more brick and mortar like experiences for gamers. It wasn't like an organization or anything like gaming org. Yeah, the concept, which was you know pretty new at the time, I think everyone mm-hmm. you know throws around in esports ecosystem today. But is to say we want to create physical locations where people can come into game, and then we want to support that with um, our own original content, our own esports team, our own academy, our own esports incubator, and everything would really fly out of this in-person gaming experience that we would be delivering. Now, mm-hmm. the 
the problem in general with the land center model is the value that you're bringing to gamers. So mm-hmm. if you're just going to be an internet cafe, with like good internet and, and fancy PCs, well, you know what? Like during COVID, a lot of people got checks and bought their own PCs. Mm-hmm. So that's not enough. That's not enough to get someone out. And you know, you know exactly what it's like, mm-hmm. how hard it is to get people to leave their homes, to come out and play. So the model was always, we need to give everyday people a professional gaming experience. And that meant when you come into Waves Gaming um, and you compete in one of our tournaments, you're going to be on the big stage. There's going to be lights. There's going to be production. There's going to be casters. And we are going to take you out of that feeling of playing 2K in your basement and put you on stage and make you feel like a pro. And that's what you're going to leave your house and you're going to pay for. If we're just a place to play, you know, Dota and League of Legends past, you know, your bedtime or your curfew, mm-hmm. that's just not a viable business. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you raised a million bucks. Was that on your own or did you have a team? Who'd you go out to reach for that million bucks? Was it venture capitalists? Kind of give me an idea of how that worked out. It's so hard. It's so hard to raise money. <laughs> um, and it's probably even harder to raise money. Uh, mm-hmm. We... We had one really big lead investor who came in and that, mm-hmm. and he took about half of it. So half mm-hmm. of the million came from him. Um, we actually did a crowdfunding campaign um, on a site called Front Funder. Mm-hmm. So that was great. Um, we got a lot of investors from there. And then I think we had like a little bit from a pre-seed and then I think a little bit at the end. So um, it's a real, yeah, it's really tough. And I think one mm-hmm. of the, biggest problems or challenges is as a CEO who's raising money is you have to decide, am I going to spend my time raising money or am I going to spend my time making money? And mm-hmm. I would admit that there were times where I probably should have said, Hey, forget it. Let's not focus on raising money. Let's focus on getting in sponsorships. Let's focus on maybe cutting some costs. Let's focus on mm-hmm. making sure the PL looks a little bit better. Um, and that's, Maybe a reason they're all closed now. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So so you raised this money. Was it just you or did you have like your team that you had built, put together, oh. ready to go? No, it was just me and a co-founder, really just the two wow. of us. That's um, impressive. We put together a deck. The idea was we're going to raise money and we're going to, you know, go on a, a micro acquisition spree. So we wanted to mm. buy very small side hustle brands that mm-hmm. just didn't have the fundamental economics yet and insert them into our kind of flywheel. Oh, wow. So did you, were you able to acquire some brands that you liked? Yeah. Uh, we actually started investing in companies and the first two were huge mistakes, both mm-hmm. because they're bad companies and they're great people just were not run properly. And in the end, we, it doesn't make sense to invest in company. If we really want to have our own ecosystem, we have to acquire mm-hmm. the whole thing. So, um, I think in the end I did about six or seven acquisitions, mm-hmm. um, in about a four or five year period. Wow. And so you, how long, I guess you ran, what was it? Wave gaming or what's it called? Yeah. The facility was called waves, waves, waves. gaming. Yeah. So waves gaming, you ran that for how long before what happened? Uh, from 2019 until it closed in this year. Uh, last year 2023 so for four years and were you with them the whole time uh for most of the time until i moved to florida so Mm, in july of 21 i moved here and so i went from you know we were just talking pre-show about how my my background is very boring you know Mm. when i got to go into work at ways gaming it was amazing there's a huge everything there you know Mm -hmm. um uh, and i missed that i definitely missed yeah the excitement of seeing the floor and this big screen and all the action. Mm -hmm. So then from there, what do you do after you leave waves? Is it straight into gamer saloon or or where are you at? Yeah. So waves was, was, was one asset part of a Mookie Esports, which, you know, we ended up winding down kind of now at this point um, in Mm -hmm. 2023. Um, There were a lot of pivots along the way. We ended up actually developing a lot of academic esports academic curriculum for Mm -hmm. colleges that want to have esports programs. So just like you study sports management, we would write esports management uh, curriculum for typically business programs. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there were a few pivots and then, yeah, sort of wound it down last year. And um, I joined Gamer Saloon about a year year ago. 
So when you did you reach out to Gamersloon or, or did they kind of come find you? Yeah, uh, it, it's a great lesson in 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 the power of networking and conferences. We were at the the casino esports conference in Las Vegas uh, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, and we met. Um, they showed me their platform, and I was actually working um, for a different client at the time. And I don't know, we just we stayed in touch, and I, I don't I can't remember how long after that conference, maybe six months, a year, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we ended up connecting and the rest is history. Wow. So um, Gamer Saloon, um, it, it's been around for how long? I don't know if you know the history of it, um, but if you want to kind of break yeah. it down for our listeners, kind of what kind of the, I guess the birth of Gamer Saloon or kind of how that came to be now. Yeah, it's, it's a great story. So the CEO, Gabe Rubin, um, you know, he was an avid NHL player, like NHL, the game. Mm-hmm. And um, his brother went went away to college, and they wanted a way to to be able to play uh, play NHL for money. And you know, in back in 2006, before there were a million online payment platforms, and it was easy to do this, mm-hmm. um, that was difficult. And uh, he ended up he met up with uh, who was another co-founder, Noah Krugel, who had a tech background, and they built out this platform where basically to create a a community of gamers typically sports gamers but lots of other games um that that want to play for that want to play for money for for mm-hmm. five bucks for 500 bucks whatever it is um in a way that preserves the integrity of the competition so um if you were to just play some random guy on twitch you know uh a cash app you know cash app game you don't really know what's you know you could get screwed. Mm-hmm. You can get cheated. So this is a way to make sure you could play for money um, within a system that's regulated and um, has a proper mechanism in case there's disputes. Mm-hmm. So they and they started that in 2006. So this I think is one of the oldest esports um, apps out there, right? Yeah, they got together. Yeah, it launched in 2007. Um, absolutely. Like gamer saloon is as OG as it gets. And about three, four months ago, they hit the 100 million mark of, um, cash paid out. That's amazing. And, um, I've used it. Everyone, if you're a gamer, you need to use it. Cause I, I love Madden. I play Madden all the time and I, you guys have a really good, uh, call of duty, um, community on there too. So call of duty is great. Um, but yeah, the app's been awesome. You guys should go download it. Um, I guess so. From that, they just kind of built it. Did they have what was kind of like the roadmap leading up to from 2006 to now? Were they just doing that and marketing it? Or were they doing like, you know, in-person events? What was kind of like their strategy building that app? Yeah. Well, just as an aside, now I'm feeling bad because we're talking so much about Gamer Saloon and like I should have worn a Gamer <laughs> Saloon shirt. I, I have like 30 at home and um, I decided to go with the Marlins. All right, whatever. Oh, it that's is, all right. It is, it is what it is. <laughs> Okay, so um, yeah, I think that you know when you when you are very agnostic to game titles, you are, mm-hmm. you really rely on what the community wants to play. So even though it started as a way to play NHL for money, quickly you know everyone realized well NHL is not the biggest sports game, and it's not mm-hmm. where our community is. It's actually Madden, and it's actually FC, which is formerly FIFA and NBA 2K and other games. So I think you have to be able to um, adapt to the trends. And the great thing about the, the, the good the good and bad about sports games, the good thing is there's a new game every single year. Mm-hmm. Always. You know, if there's, you know, with other games, if there's just like a DLC or a little update or patch note, that's not usually enough. Typically, the new game gets everyone back. Everyone mm-hmm. will play the game for three, four, five, six months. They'll take a break. And then when the new one comes out, everyone plays the new game. So that's mm-hmm. great. But I guess I would say more recently is I think the game developers um, have, had, have had a hard time to really push the needle, you know, to really evolve beyond what the previous game was. So a lot of people will complain, you know, Madden 24 sucks, Madden 23 sucks, Madden 22. They don't do this. They don't do that. And I think that does hurt um, a little bit the you know, sort of our business and our ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And we need like, we need these sports games to be home runs. Like we, we, we're only as good as the games that are being put out. 
right? Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of a challenge that we face. Gotcha. Um, so what does your how long? I guess so. You've been with Gamer Saloon. What is your kind of role in the in the in the company? Yeah, I'm the chief operating officer. Um, that means I work on a couple sort of bigger projects. We mm-hmm. we had relaunched an esports team called Dot City Gaming, um, which is a little bit on hold right now. Uh, we also recently launched a pretty strong affiliate program. So um, we are working with a lot of online uh, sports sports books and daily fantasy companies where um, you know our our sort of intersection is people who like sports, video games, and betting. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're very adjacent to those three massive industries. And so we're able to really drive a lot of revenue to sponsors that are, that are connected to those three. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a big part of what I do and making sure the app gets better, making sure the team runs. And um, we've got an awesome team of nine people. And um, my job is to make sure everyone is just maximizing their potential, doing what they're supposed to do, um, and that we keep growing the platform every month. So with with you guys being the oldest one of the oldest platforms, what are kind of some of the biggest challenges you guys have run into in, in history or now? <laughs> yeah, I think just like the games face that same challenge of how do we make hockey different, you know, every single year, you know, mm-hmm. in a way that people expect it to be. I think with Gamer Saloon, recently there's been a slew of competitors that also that are direct competitors to kind of our core one v one gameplay. And there's a lot of new features and new things coming out in the industry that we have to decide, you know, do we want to participate in this or do we not want to participate in this? And a good example would be, let's say, staking. Okay. Mm -hmm. If people are not familiar with staking, staking is a um, when two people will play, let's say two people will play a Madden game and then other people can bet on that Madden game. Okay. And there are sites that do that. it seems like it's getting popular, so we have to decide, is that something we want to continue? Do we want to build on that? Do we also want to offer that? Or are we going to do what we're always doing or do something different? So we're really trying to understand what the community wants when they play and try mm-hmm. to make sure we can adapt and make sure there's a platform that speaks to that. Hmm, okay. And um, so I guess what are some of the bigger successes then that you've seen or that you've had in the, in the past you know, history? Yeah. Um, firstly, COVID was a huge spike for the company. Um, mm. And I think post COVID, it's how do you kind of, you know, how do you get back to that massive growth when everyone was home and everyone was playing? Um, mm-hmm. So I think we've been extremely creative with our with our promos or promotions. Uh, we do things like pickums where you can pick the outcome, you know, pick which quarterback will have the most passing yards on Sunday and you, and you get free five bucks. Um, we do a lot of free tournaments. We do yeah, different tools like that, um, which have been successful. But all of that really pairs uh, in comparison to uh, the, the success we've had with some major influencers, um, mm-hmm. working with like Chabata Mitch and Hustle, Car- Hustle Cartel um, and some big names in the Madden community has been amazing. And I think that's definitely a major part of our strategy moving forward. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the... Um... I guess when, like, I don't know, how, what do you, what does it look like as far as the games that are coming out with the sports games, since that's what you guys primarily stay within, do you see them, I guess, point on them releasing the games? Is it is something they need to change or is it something that they're doing okay with? Like, because I know in the past people have said man's have been way better. What is your kind of, since you guys are focused in that, what's your kind of viewpoint on those? Yeah, um, I would say thank God there's crossplay. Like that's yeah. like the one feature. <laughs> took them long enough. Took everyone too long, I think, to put that in. Um, now there's still we don't have crossplay between the generations, whatever. But mm-hmm. um, for the most part, crossplay is across every sports game now. Um, so that's very big, um, you know, for us and, and for our community to have that. So that mm-hmm. that's a big one. Um, there's been no big hits i would say aside for just the same games mm-hmm. um the one i think that everyone is you know just like marking our calendar for is ea college football i think mm-hmm. that'll be the first game 
in a very long time that'll sort of break the mold of the traditional single sport annual game titles um college so that's coming out this year now i guess we could say this mm-hmm. year 2020 yeah 24. happy new year everyone <laughs> yeah um so yeah that, that could really change things uh, we, we've thought other games you know pga had you know pga tour 2k and then ea had road to the masters mm-hmm. not much you know um so yeah we, we need the games to just really reinvent themselves every year and to be solid mm-hmm. games. And then hopefully there'll be some new ones that come up and kind of disrupt the, the traditional, like hopefully mm-hmm. college football will disrupt the sort of Madden ecosystem in a positive way. Yeah. Because that leads me to the next question. How is the competitive scene with these sports games, you know, uh, Madden hockey, all of them um, in person, right? Like, so they had, what is that? The MCS, I think for Madden. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think it's, I don't know if it's gone down or if, you know, it's grown. What What is your opinion on a lot of the competitive um, scenes in those games? Yeah. Um, in general, 1v1 games have not been as successful as esports as team games. Mm-hmm. That's just, that's the fact. We can look at all the biggest esports and however you want to measure it in terms of audience or prize money, whatever it is. It's League of Legends. It's Dota. It's Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. It's, you know it's all team sports. So now when you go to single player and really like, if you look at FGC, it's the same thing. It's really, um, it's not nearly the same size. The prize money is not nearly as big as some of the bigger team sports. Mm-hmm. And I think sports are fall way, way behind other esports in terms of audience, in terms of viewership mm-hmm. and in terms of prize money. Um, I think it's, it's very rare that if you, you know, don't like the sport, you would like the video game. Right. So I think you, you have a pretty limited audience, but -hmm. again, even within that, um, they're great communities. Like, you know, I, I had a chance, the NHL all-star game was down in sunrise, Florida, and there was a, uh, EA had a LAN event for NHL. And it was just amazing to meet the people like, you know, if I think of toxic gaming communities, I'm not thinking about typically the sports games. Um, I yeah. think it's really good camaraderie. Um, people work together very well, and they've they've created a good ecosystem. Mm-hmm. The the I guess the challenge maybe, and I think 2K is probably this this unique beast where you can't just start a 2K team. Like it's it's mm-hmm. a pretty fixed system, you know, franchise led system, um, and so yeah, I, the best esports, let's just say, maybe have a franchise system at the top, but there's mm-hmm. academy and, and there's there's roads to play with the pros, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know, I don't know, like going with this, <laughs> yeah. but again, like you, there's no, it's hard when there's no team. So like, let's mm-hmm. say you you really like Henry, okay, great. So like Henry might be your favorite player in Madden for a while because you know he's winning, he's dominating. But you, but it stops with Madden because mm-hmm. he's just one person playing one game. Like there's no hundred thieves are not in sports games. Phase mm-hmm. are not in sports games. Like the, the big orgs that have big brand awareness across multiple titles are just not having a major impact in sports titles. And I think that's a problem. Okay. So the um the well taking it from so it's one v one. Madden does have options of doing three v three. But mm-hmm. is that something that they could see maybe playing on a little bit more? Because me and my friends, we love like, right. If you have more than like for us, three on three is super fun. You play with your friends. It it gets it feels more of a team game. Is that something that maybe could gain more traction if if they focus on a three v three or something? Yeah, I think for the pro scene, it's tough with Madden because it's not a football's not a three v three game, but NHL mm-hmm. is definitely pushing sixes. You know, mm-hmm. the 6v6 format, obviously NBA 2K is played like that. And um, yeah, I think it's better for the scene um, mm-hmm. to have a team play and team compete. Um, and I also think we need to see like the big tier one teams enter sports in a meaningful way. Like typically, if you take any esports team, there's like one FIFA guy or sorry, one FC guy, you know, mm-hmm. on the roster at the bottom. So sports are really an afterthought. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's like a throw in, you know, yeah. it's, it's not part of their culture. And 
we need to see FaZe Henry. Like FaZe Henry would make a big difference in the Madden community as an example where mm-hmm. you bring the prowess of a huge org into the sports scene. So that's one of the things that are really lacking. Yeah. So switching back to Gamer Saloon, um, you guys have done a lot of, um, or I guess sponsoring events and getting involved in the more grassroots um, kind of organizations or events that are hosted throughout the the nation. Um, do you guys plan on like kind of doing that and getting more involved? Um, Cause I know you guys host tournaments on your events or on your app, right? Yep. Uh, we did. So for December, we did the gamer saloon holiday showdown. So we had um, pretty big prize pools for Madden 2k FC Fortnite and Call of Duty. We're running mm-hmm. three more tournaments this month. So, yeah, it's going well. We're, I think we're getting a positive response. More people are signing up. And if that's the case, we're going to continue to run free tournaments to support the, mm. you know, so the bread and butter 1v1 play on, on the site. Yeah. And for everyone listening, they can fo- follow you on all social medias at Gamer Saloon, right? They can follow you, find out what events you guys have coming up, reach out to you. Um, I know you guys work with different like creators, different um, maybe TOs, people that are hosting events. You like to get involved. So it might be a good opportunity for people to reach out to you if they have anything that they'd want you to be a part of. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. We'd love to do more in-person events. You know, I think that it's difficult to make it work, um, Mm -hmm. but it's something we'd love to do. Um, We've talked about doing like a Madden um, NFL tailgate where, you know, Mm -hmm. we set up at a, at a random NFL, NFL game and, and have a cool gamer saloon activation or a college football game. So mm-hmm. yeah, we'd love to find if whoever's listening, we'd love to find great partners that want to bring sports games, you know, into interesting places and, and build the community. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so what does kind of the roadmap look like for you guys in 24? You guys have anything new or exciting that you guys are planning on rolling out or any big plans? Yeah. Um, I think in addition, you know, we're really stepping up our customer support. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to be extending hours, providing more and better support for players, different time zones. Um, we'd like to make a bigger push into different regions. You know, right now we're kind of 90% North America. So we'd like to see a big push into Europe. Um, in terms of games, you know, again, we've had a lot of success with kind of the big three, but um you know, finding a war zone strategy or Call of Duty strategy in Fortnite and getting those games um, up where people are playing regularly is is mission critical. So we'll be spending a lot of time and resources on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a lot of improvements to the app on 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 the docket, so we'll continue to make it better and mm-hmm. um, and wait for some big big games <laughs> big games to drop. <laughs> yeah. So how hard is it, like? I know with the one v one games, it's probably a little bit easier to come up with, right? There's a winner. How does is it harder to do those Call of Duties and those Fortnite games to manage those? No, it's not harder. Um, it's just I guess it's not a natural way that people compete. So, for example, if we were going to play Warzone for money, um, we would play a duo together on the same team, and whoever has the most kills would be the winner. So that's. That's how it's typically played. Um, so again, you just don't think one v one Warzone. Like, how does that work? How how do you play one v one? So once you know, oh, you just jump into a duo and it's a kill race. Okay, then you get it. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe it takes a bit of education. Uh, sure. Yeah. Get the word. So out. with your history and your career, because you've you've been in the esports for a while, what kind of um, I guess pieces of knowledge or information or stuff you've learned that you'd want to share with? people that are maybe aspiring to get in the industry or, or wanting to get involved in different brands? Yeah. Good question. Good question. Um, I would start with, let's start with thought leadership. I think that's mm-hmm. really important. Um, wherever you want to go in, in, in this industry, whether or not you want to be a player, a coach, uh, an entrepreneur, um, it's a small industry, and therefore you really need to sort of get the word out to get your name out. And I think people that are, you know, active on social media that provide value to to their to their audience are streaming things like that are the ones that are going to be very successful. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's also I'll give you an example. When I was working at Amuka, we didn't we never put out like a job posting. 
Like mm-hmm. almost never. I hate putting out a job posting. To me, it's the worst thing in the world. It's just it's annoying. Get so many candidates. It's so time consuming. So if I ever needed to hire, I'd say, hey, do you guys know anyone? Anyone you've worked with? Anyone who's volunteered? Anyone mm-hmm. out there that you guys think would be good for the role? And that's how that position gets filled. So what does that mean practically? It means you got to get out there. You got to network. You got to volunteer. Um, if there's you know, if there's a great TO in, at your school or your high school, your college, your city, get out there, compete. If you don't want to compete, then volunteer, hang out, be an admin, be a TO, be a part of the community because those are the people that are going to be hiring, making decisions. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you, they're not, it's not going to come from a LinkedIn or Indeed job board. It's going to come from like you getting out there, making a name for yourself and getting uh, a good recommendation and referral. That's great. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I think that's probably been one of the biggest um, with this industry, the biggest common denominator is networking, getting involved because you're right. It's so new. It's almost the wild west. There's no structure. There's not much structure. There's not a, there isn't these big organizations that have set up leagues or NFL or um, sorry, like um, structures like the NFL or something, you know? And so you're right. It's just networking, getting your name out there. And I think that's, it's been the common denominator for everyone. <laughs> yeah. And, ju- and just to add to that, there's a ton of bad, dubious actors in this industry as well. And so just like mm-hmm. it's very important to build up, you know, your reputation, you have to be very wary of, you know, what's out there. Like, mm-hmm. and it's not just, uh, you know, oh, tier one, tier two. It happens all the time where, you know, esports orgs are not paying their workers, are paying their staff, not treating people well and things like that. And so, you know, all that is, I think, really tarnishing this industry where it seems like, to your point, your, that expression, the Wild West, um, where anything could happen. People are treated, in my opinion, poorly. People are very underpaid for the work that they do. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a product potentially of, of a new and nascent industry. Um, but I think it's also the fact that everyone kind of has just accepted that and not really um, opted to make better changes. Yeah, no, I agree. Definitely. Um, so with Gamer Saloon where it's at now, where do you see kind of other, where do you guys aspire to be that you see that other platforms kind of fall? Because there's a lot of them out there right now. <laughs> yeah. And I know you guys are kind of one of the pioneers and you guys have set the stage and, and led um, kind of the industry as far as 1v1 for betting, I guess, or for wagering. Do you guys have like, not an end goal, but like something in your sights that you really wanted to to nail down as far as leading in the industry? Yeah, I think everyone, myself and everyone on the team, you know, we're highly competitive people. Um, and we want to win. We want to. We want to be the best. We want to have the best platform. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of that is not necessarily doing what we think we should do. It's listening and doing what we think our community wants. And so, mm-hmm. um, I think in a way that's good. Is you know we really just we listen to the feedback. How do people want to play? Do they want to play ultimate team. They want to play regs. They want to play duos or singles. They want to play this game or that game. And and we can really kind of tailor our platform and our strategy to what people want. And that's, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like when you have a land center, it's the same thing. Like I don't give a shit if people play overwatch or not, it doesn't matter. Yeah, We're just going to run whatever's popular. It's the same thing here. We don't really care, you know, to some degree, which game is better than the other. As long as people are playing something and as long as they're playing and enjoying it, then it's all good. So whether it's call of duty today or if it's overwatch or if it's counter-strike, whatever it is, doesn't matter as long as people are playing more games. That's that's all we care about. So then, is that when you bring on new games, then is when the community asks for it, or do you kind of just see the trends on what's popular and then you you decide to add it on? We'll bring in any game um, because it's not difficult to do it. Um, so we have VR games, we have retro games, we have. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think what would be interesting. Um, I'm not going to say it's like on the product roadmap per se. Uh, but I definitely would like to experiment with kind of having our own casual games, what that would look like to create our own insular ecosystem where hmm. um, we develop the game and people can play for money, whether hmm. it's whatever, something, uh, again, a, a, a type of hyper casual game with a medium to low skill ceiling, something like that would be really cool to explore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just for me personally, I mean, 
I love in person. I love the in person action. I love seeing LAN events and tournaments, and would love to see Gamer Saloon play a bigger role in hosting or, or sponsoring some of these marquee events. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have you guys ever thought about putting in your own in person event together? Yes, we have. Um, it hasn't been done in, in quite a few years, obviously, mm-hmm. post COVID. Well, you also have to remember, you know, just for people that don't know, um, after the the Jacksonville shooting in mm-hmm. Matt, the Madden shooting in Jacksonville, like EA shut down everything. So, and I, I think that really just yes, obviously there was COVID as well that that put it put it all down. But you know, it's tough for it's tough for a gaming community to rebound from something like that. It's hard to you know. I think everyone thinks about that, and you know, it's been whatever three four years since then. Um, so. Yeah, I, I think we're we'd love to do it and work with partners. Um, the economics are definitely challenging. I think there's unless you have the buy-in from the teams. If you get buy-in from the some of the pro teams, and that's typically what most of the tournaments are like, mm-hmm. um, then it works. Like NHL is a great example. The NHL made the Chow Challenge, so every team is responsible for hold for, for doing ideally a LAN event at the very minimum an online event. And so throughout the season, you're going to have 32 NHL events that are all team sponsored. They put up the prize money. And so that's, I think, a good foundation to build on. Um, But we we don't really see that in the NFL. We don't, there's not really, you know, these teams making um, their own big events um, and certainly not LAN events. That's true. I wish there would be more involvement from the franchises, bigger franchise, sports franchises in the space because i think it would only help out everyone overall because they're involved in those games you know <laughs> it only builds their fan base so and it's, it's sad obvious. to see that yeah yeah, yeah and it's and it's sad to, that you brought that up the um because i felt like madden had some traction you know it's had traction for a while and then that shooting happened and it just totally killed it i wish matt madden would would try to re- revive it you know <laughs> yeah but you know madden you know what they've done with the Pro Bowl and what they've done with some of the Pro Am streams are amazing. Like to have, I can't remember, like Kyler Murray and Snoop Dogg play together. You know, like that's mm-hmm. awesome. And I think they are the NFL and the Madden community are definitely leading in getting players and celebrities playing in marquee huge events. They all happen to be online though. Mm-hmm. And but if they can just build on that for like for the Pro Bowl or you know pre-Super Bowl, something big like that, um, that could end up being like a huge marquee event for the Madden community. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, well, I guess before we start wrapping up, um, was there any final thoughts or anything that you had that you wanted to share or anything, whether it's you know personal or, or Gamer Saloon or just anything <laughs> you'd like to share with any of the listeners? Yeah. Um, I have a lot of like spicy takes. Uh, that Let's I hear them. <laughs> I think everyone, I like this cause we're, co- you know, yeah. I've interviewed a lot of people that were in positions, but none of them were in a position where you had, I'm assuming your spicy takes going to be more on what sports stuff. Maybe esports, oh, maybe yeah, sports and esports, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, let me hear him. Let's, let's hear him. Okay. Um, okay. So firstly, just cause we talked about like, um, I used to teach esports, um, at a couple colleges. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, talking to students a lot. Don't worry about this esports winter that's coming and all these orgs going under. Like that's all noise, and a lot of it is spewed from people that haven't amounted to jack shit in their careers. And that really bothers me um, when there's just people like trashing the industry who have done nothing. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think it's accurate. Yes, for sure, these big orgs were VC funded and that money's dried up. But think about it like this: ten years ago. Um, anyone who is studying social media, yeah, it would be nice if they could work at Facebook or at Twitter, but that's not where all the social media jobs are. Maybe at the mm-hmm. time people thought that, that if you study social media, great, that's, you know, Facebook is where you're going to work. Now we know that's not the case. Where do all the people who social media coordinators work? Everywhere. Mm-hmm. Fortune 500 companies, banks, auto dealerships, whatever. Like gaming is going to be that same way. 
if you, the people who are like studying esports or want to work in the industry, don't just think, oh, I'm going to, I want to work at 100 Thieves or Cloud9 or TSM, like these big, nice, fancy orgs. Because, yeah, because when you hear the news that they're all laying off, you think, oh shit, you know, what's going to happen to my dreams? No, you, the, the skills, this sort of esports strategy or gaming strategy, whatever that title is going to be, gaming strategist. Um, Every company is going to hire that. Every company is going to want to have a Twitch strategy. Every company is going to want to have a kick strategy. And so don't be narrow in your thinking into that. Oh, if I, if I work in the esports, it's going to be with an org or a game publisher. No, there's going to be, for every one of those jobs, there's going to be 10 more people that are going to want someone with that same skill set to be able to bring that strategy to their company. So mm -hmm. that's like <laughs> point number one. Don't worry. Trust me. There's going to be a ton of jobs for all this for the skills that you're learning and this audience that you are catering to. Um, that's the big one. That's like the most important thing yeah, I want to say. That's a great one. A, a couple others. I don't know what bothers me. Esports at the Olympics. That's another, that's another bad one. Um, <laughs> I think in general, the industry needs its own country specific games. Mm -hmm. And I remember listening to a podcast with, I can't remember if it was Clayster or Crim6, someone, one of them, it was uh, the X Games had, I guess, a trial where they brought Call of Duty to the X Games. Mm -hmm. And just to paraphrase, they're saying it feels weird when somebody is risking their lives doing a 1080 in the half pipe or like doing all these crazy stuff, winning a gold medal. And here I am playing call of duty and winning. And even for them who believe, of course, esports are sports, but it doesn't, it just doesn't, it just didn't feel right. It just didn't feel mm -hmm. like they were part of the X games or that X game medal was worth the same as whatever, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like all the crazy X, X game sports that they have. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the same way here. Like it's going to feel weird if, you know, someone is bombing down the slalom, you know, or bobsled or something like that, and someone's winning a gold in Counter-Strike. And I think a lot of people are going to ridicule esports. Mm -hmm. um, this idea that, you know, my mom is going to watch figure skating and then uh, coming up next, Counter-Strike, and they're going to capitalize on this non-gaming audience, I think is total mm -hmm. BS. And it's, yeah, and it's going to set off a lot of problems. So, yeah, my hope for 2024 is just we see Overwatch is the best example. They've built a great tournament of country-specific competition, and I hope the game publishers can get together and kind of figure out some sort of esports Olympics. Yeah, no, I agree. I think if they do something with esports, it's got to be its own category. Um, it's got to be a separate from what you were saying, other sports that are physical, I guess you would say, right? Like yeah. X Games, then you would have the esports version of X Games. And I think that's a great idea. You don't want to take the medal away from somebody doing an extreme sport from somebody maybe who's doing esports. I think they should be there, but I think they should be separated. That's right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. And then the first point we made, uh, that was a really great point because a lot of people think they're going to, getting a social media job is going to be Facebook or getting esports and directly make you working for an esports org. I think you're right. We overlook or underestimate how many more opportunities there's going to be outside of organizations. You're going to have them at every business. They're going to have to have some sort of esports strategy. And I think that's a great way to look at it and a great way to keep people pursuing that career. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do we have time for one more? Yeah, sure. One more? I'm, okay. I'm, I'm good to go as long as you want. <laughs> okay. <laughs> last one. I do think this is the most important. Um, mm -hmm. The last one is that all roads lead to Riyadh. Hmm. Uh, let me tell you something. A couple years ago when the LEC, the League of Legends esports esports uh, division, uh, European division, hmm. um, they announced a sponsorship with Neom. Neom is this new futuristic city in Saudi Arabia. Sustainability, technology, blah, 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 all that stuff. Huge hmm. uproar. Massive. And the uproar was, you know, because of their human rights, and I'm not here to judge one way or another. It's probably mm -hmm. bad stuff going on. I don't really care. But because of their human rights, we can't do the sponsorship. Because, And it came up again in Rainbow Six. They were going to go to Dubai, which I personally believe is a very progressive country, especially compared to others in the Middle East. Same thing. They said because of their you know LGBTQ stance, 
And on human rights, we're not going to go there. And I kind of just watched from the sidelines. I didn't say anything. And it's unbelievable what happened. All of a sudden, nobody cares about human rights because money talks. And the mm -hmm. Saudis put enough money to buy every single game. They own most of the game publishers. And if you think in 2024, 20, again, just my advice, take it or leave it. But if you think that, you know, you as a professional will not go to Riyadh because you don't agree with the policies in the Middle East, you're going to be left behind. Mm -hmm. They bought the Esports World Cup. Um, they put more money into any other game. And they now have basically locked up all the game publishers. So, um, again, when that happened, I actually thought it was almost Islamophobic to to single out one country like that. Like, there's a lot of bad countries. There's a lot of things that Russia does and China does. And, like, you never, ever hear anyone boycotting, you know, China. Like, very, right? Like, mm -hmm. never happens. Never. And the one time it does, boom, they lay the hammer. No mm -hmm. NBA player criticizes China. Never, ever, ever. Because they know what's going to happen. Because money talks. And it's the same thing with Riyadh. So that's my advice is, hey, listen, you don't have to agree with the country and all their and their policies. I don't agree with many things as, as someone who's Jewish, you know, I definitely would not be able to perhaps fully practice my religion there, but if you're hired to do a job there or you're going to compete there, um, you should do it. And I don't think sh people should be criticizing people that choose to, you know, make a living and compete in events in the middle mm -hmm. East. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. That's very well said. Yeah, I <laughs> I didn't know it was that. I I have I was unfamiliar with that that um that that was going on. <laughs> it's big. It's a big. It's probably gonna be the biggest issue in the esports industry for 2024. Is this this now changing of the guard? Um, where, yes, Saudi Arabia is going to run the industry. So you're saying that there was opportunities for the Middle East to host um, events or to support the esports, but many of the brands didn't want to uh, allow them to because of their stance on human rights. Because and eventually the, they yeah. got bought out and they're still there, is what you're saying. Be right. Because of the uproar from the community. but. You know, um, listen, every single game publisher is basically owned by China or if you call Tencent, you know, pretty uh, in pretty, I don't want to say it's like semi-autonomous with the Chinese government. Right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Everything is owned by Tencent and, and Saudi Arabia now and the PIF, the it's, it's the it's called the public investment fund. So you have these two big investment vehicles. You have Tencent Holdings, which owns. Uh, Riot Games and Epic Games and the mm -hmm. big stakes in EA and Ubisoft and others. And then you have the PIF, the public investment fund, which is actually like unlimited money now. And they're doing, they're taking the same kind of playbook from uh, Tencent, but even more active and they're, they're buying up the rest. So the game publishers had to listen to the criticism and the uproar until they realized that that check is bigger than the uproar. Mm. So their morals got bought out. <laughs> so then how come we don't 100%. see that? percent. Yes. So why, why do we not see that kind of investment from the U S is it because the stigma of esports and gaming? They don't have, there's no money. Like you can't compete with a 300 billion plus public investment fund. Let's look at, you know, well, why is Dubai investing so much in it? Let's look at golf, for example. Okay. <clears throat> this is usually what happens. Okay. The, mm -hmm. the Saudis will say, you know, we'd love to have an ownership of the PGA. PGA Tour and golf said, no, we're not interested. So what do they do? You, we're going to go start our own league. We're going to get the biggest stars and we're going to make our own league. Mm -hmm. And they did it. And odds are, you know, for anyone who follows golf, um, I think it's pretty much uh, pretty agreed upon that in this feud between the PGA Tour, America, and live golf, Saudi Arabia, Saudi outplayed them. Like, like 
in an unbelievable way, in a in a way that will be studied at every single business school for the rest of you know rest of time. So, mm-hmm. um, the United States is legacy, and this new money that's coming in is is there, and it's a good question. Like, yeah, why couldn't Stan Kroenke, you know, buy you know some of these billionaires, you know, buy up um, some of these leagues? I don't know. I think they're just invested in their own teams. So they're not really, um, if you're a team owner, you can't also be a league owner. Uh, True. So So then, yeah, I mean, I wish the U.S. would be supporting a little bit more. And I fear that the whole esports industry is going to slowly move to those other countries that are supporting it more financially. Yeah, but I would say the positive of that is it's going to, look, Madden is a, a U.S. dominated player base. Mm-hmm. Just is. It'd be great to have Madden played around the world. I think everyone in the Madden community would welcome, you know, more, you know, more players, more competitions in South America and, and in the Middle East and Africa and all over. So, the the positive part is hopefully that this investment will really help grow every esport to a more global audience, and that's that's the vision of them. True, as, true. That's their vision as well. That's true. Well, thank you for those hot takes. I did. <laughs> those are hey, great. No problem. That's what I'm here for. I'm going to I'm gonna have to add that to the show. Everyone gets one hot take. <laughs> yeah. You got to Yeah. People have to end with some slightly controversial some spicy takes. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, last question then. What are all of us being gamers? What are your top three favorite games you played? Right now? Like one of the top three? Or just in history, a, you know, your uh, whole of all time. Yeah, I'll just say what I'm well, right now. I'd say embarrassingly, I'm playing a lot of Lego Fortnite. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, it is really good. Otherwise, it is for me. Yeah, it's Fortnite, Madden, PGA Tour. I'd say mm. what I'm playing the most. Uh, historically, I maybe I would add in Counter Strike, but like. Mm-hmm. It's such a toxic community, and I'm not good. Like I, sometimes, I don't know. yeah, it doesn't become fun when you get trashed all the time, which is what happens. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I yeah, I'd say Madden, PGA, the sports games, um, they're classics. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I never thought I'd be a PGA player because I don't like golf, but I ended up liking the game. <laughs> that's great, man. Especially yeah. uh, whatever I forget. One of the one of the characters is a wrestling character. I forget his mm-hmm. name. Like, yeah, it's fun when you can drive the green on on every shot. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, thank you, Ben, so much for hopping on. Um, we'll go ahead and wrap up. But um, everyone that's listening, you can uh, go download Gamer Saloon. Check them out. It's an awesome app. Um, they've been at it for a long time. They're probably the best in the industry. Um, you can reach out to Ben if there's any questions you guys have or if you want to get in contact. He's been a super helpful. Um, that's actually, I think, how we got in contact. Um, he does a great job. Uh, supporting all communities. Um, so thank you so much for being on here and, and taking the time out of your day. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. And we'll have you on in the future again. You know, we'll do a follow up um, maybe later this year or, you know, a few months, whenever you're free. I know you guys got a lot of stuff going on. Um, so follow them. They'll, they'll uh, be announcing a lot of their new events and um, stuff coming up. Yes, definitely. We have got the ultimate freeze happening right now until January 16th. Not sure when this is going to air, but um yeah, that's $2,000 of free tournaments in Madden, FC, and 2K. And yeah, maybe you'll have me back for like the uh, a Riyadh a Riyad special. Yeah, I'm planning on having everyone back. So <laughs> follow-ups, making sure everyone's doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Um, we will see you on the next episode. Thank you so much. Ben, you can stay on though.